the title tonight is Moses's final blessing. There is a time in everyone's life that the numbers of days in our life are numbered. We see the psalmist writes in Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now we will see in chapter 33 tonight that Moses is not only counting not the days, but he's actually counting the hours. Because his life is coming down to just hours, for it will soon be the time to leave the camp of Israel, climb Mount Nebo, and surrender into the loving arms of God to be put to sleep. Now we saw God gave one more task to Moses, and he was to write a song. The Song of Moses, giving a lesson of theology, a lesson of history, a lesson of personal obedience, a lesson of several strong warnings and exhortations to include. But the final blessing we see tonight, Moses bestows upon the people is filled and saturated with grace and mercy. Why would a man, if he only has hours left, want to address and pour out a blessing upon the nation of Israel? Because the last 40 years, people would say, he's poured out his life as the leader of the, of the nation of Israel. What <laughs> would be nothing more clear in his mind than pouring out the blessing, a final blessing upon the people? But as I ponder on it this week, I find that not only was it the 40 weeks, but remember, God was doing a work with him for 40 years in the wilderness to prepare. Because the very first 40 years of his life, while in luxury and props, uh, prompt uh, status in the, in the royalty of Egypt, he thought he had it all together in his first 40 years of life. God had to take him to the wilderness for 40 years to work that all out and rebuild him to then be ready to lead his, God's people out of Egypt to the promised land. I didn't, notice I didn't say into the promised land. He only gets to lead them up to the east side or the east coast of the Jordan River before you go into the promised land because God says you are not going into the promised land. But he blessed them. He showed grace. Didn't have to do this, but he'd tell them, climb up to the mountain, uh, mountain Nebo and look across. Let me show you. Look this way. And it's in a clockwise, counterclockwise fashion. He lays it out as we will see here today. Lays it all out. This is the land, the promised land for my people. Now we see here in Deuteronomy 33, 1, it starts off by saying, Now this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. So Moses, as he looked at Israel with a shepherd's heart, he's been shepherding them for 40 years across the wilderness. He came and was a shepherd for 40 years. He could not leave them without blessing them because Moses could not leave this earth without a final blessing of the, on the people he loved and served in the Lord for these 40 years. This wasn't a major breakup. This wasn't something that he was blaming the people and all these other things. And I've had enough of these people after 40 years and I'm going on to something better. And No, no, that's not the story. 
His heart was to take them into the promised land and, and to go into war with them again and lead them through and capture, uh, t- conquer the, the giants and conquer the enemies and take the promised land and enjoy the, the, the fruit of, uh, of the land and the, of milk and honey. It was just incredible what he, possibility for him and he didn't get to do any of that. He'd pass it over and have a change of command and Joshua would go in and be the one to lead them. But we see this similar chapter played out in another person's life by the blessing of unto Israel. And do you remember who that was? It was Jacob. Jacob upon his 12 sons and recorded in Genesis 49. And since Moses, remember, is the one that recorded the blessing of Israel there in Genesis 49, it was Moses who wrote that down. God used him to be the one that wrote that down, and that's how we got Genesis. So he had completely understand, and it's very plausible to think he consciously modeled his blessing of wanting to bless the Israel just like Jacob did. But the difference is that Jacob's blessing revealed his hidden character and exposed the sins of the people. Moses' blessing will not be like that at all. Moses will open and close his blessing by praising the greatness of the Lord. His whole blessing was first to have them hear his words of lifting God up in over all of this blessing. This wasn't about him. He didn't say, oh, Israel, be blessed because of me and what I've done as a leader. And oh, look at what I've accomplished. And it's only because of me that you survived the 40 years. And that's why you're blessed. He wasn't a selfish leader. He wasn't looking for attention. He wasn't looking for accolades. He wasn't looking at getting a pay raise. He's not looking for the next position that he can move up in this religiosity of, of, of organization to get the next kind of position. No, 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 no. He lifted the Lord on high, we we will see here in the beginning of this blessing, and the greatness of the Lord to meet. He's just about to meet him right there at the top of the mountain. And he names every single tribe except one. Did you read ahead of? There's one tribe he's not mentioned, and that's Simeon. Why? Because I believe in Joshua 19, when we get to 19 verses 1 through 9, we will see that uh, Simeon will be absorbed by Judah and uh, be no longer. And uh, so he gave them the blessing, you know, and just put the Lord right on high. And we see here in verses 2 through 5 the glory of God's revelation to Israel and how God revealed himself. And he, that whole blessing in the beginning here in the context is all about the Lord. It says right here in verse 2, and he said, The Lord came to Mount Sinai. And dawned on them in Seir, from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. And he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand came a fiery law for them. Yes, he loves the people. All his saints are in, his, are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words. Moses commanded a law for us a heritage of the congregation of Jacob. And he was king of Jeshuron. Remember, that's a Hebrew name for Israel. He was the king of Israel. When the leaders of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. So in these first few verses here, two through five, we can see in the midst of 
of the image of God's glory and the greatness of God's glory and revealing himself in so many ways here. He shone forth. He, he drew near. He showed up right there in Sinai and he, and he on the Mount of Paran. And you see uh, he's revealing and bringing ten thousands of saints and bringing forth the law. He was king. There's all this this. This blessing that's poured out on the people of recognizing where the blessing comes from. Moses is recognizing the blessing. Yes, he's the, the messenger, but it's really not the blessing that comes from him. It's really, it's God's blessing upon the people. And this adds such a dramatic ending, is it not? Of Moses' final blessing to each tribe that we will see here. Because Moses is at that reflective moment. He's just hours away from dying. And he's reflecting back over his long life. The one scene that gripped his mind are the words that he's saying here. And that gripping his mind was the revelation of God's glory and Mount Sinai. We see back when we read that, studied that in Exodus chapter 19 and 24 and Hebrews 12 even mentioned. That was like... What is, okay, Moses, can you tell me what would be the highlights in your mind right now before you're passing and going to be in the arms of God? What is your moments that are flashing? Mount Sinai. That's incredible. That was an emotion. You can't, can't even explain it to you. Go back where I, the Lord gave me the words to write down. Go back and read it and, and share it with everybody for years and thousands of years to come. And the giving of the law. I mean, that's just an amazing moment where God gave him clarity of exactly what God's expectations are through the law. But he had seen God's glory up close when he had been in, on, the, on the mount interceding with the Lord. If you remember in Exodus 33 through 34, he got to see such a relationship with God that God had him tuck into the, between some crevices of rocks. And all he could see is just the passing of, the, of his glory only. But the fact that God allowed that to happen. Such intimacy with God. Such fellowship with God. That God revealed himself. Remember, the better we know the word of God, the more able we are to express proper worship to him. There are many who say they're worshiping, but they don't even know the word of God. How do we else know our God who we worship but through and by and through the word of God that the Spirit reveals? And see, there's no substitute for psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that we see in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, and also referenced in Colossians 3.16. There's no substitute for psalms and hymns and spiritual songs as long as the foundation is on the Scripture. How important that we understand that is what we worship out of our mouths in the form of a song or a hymn or spiritual song is scripturally accurate, scripturally sound and founded. In verse 6, we see him now starts the individual blessings upon each of the tribes. We see first up, of course, is Reuben. We will see Reuben, and this blessing has is. His blessing is about not let his men be few. We'll see this right here. It says, let Reuben live and not die, nor let his men be few. So the blessing is, nor let his men be few. 
It's a general blessing to the tribe of Reuben. Moses prayed, not let his men be few, asking that the tribe of Reuben be blessed with growth. Let that tribe grow, Lord God, just let it grow. Let it prosper and grow in numbers. But he says here, the very part of that in verse 6, let Reuben live and not die, is that tempered blessing in the, that is in the line of Jacob's prophecy concerning the tribe of Reuben. If you remember back in Genesis 49.4, what was that blessing or what was that prophecy on the tribe of Reuben at that time? You shall not excel. Remember, there was a, that tribe of Reuben never did excel because of the fact that as far as we know, there was never a prophet Never a judge, never a king from the tribe of Reuben. Why? Because he didn't live his life right. Here we see Moses is saying, let, you know, not live and not die, but not, nor let your, his men be few. He was trying to look at a blessing to try to just bless that Lord. Get the numbers up, Lord. Get it, let him not die off. Don't let the tribe disappear. They didn't disappear. But it wasn't anywhere like the rest of the tribes. Again, God did not bless him with a prophet, a judge, or a king. Now the second one in verse 7, we see Judah. And you see here, it says, And this he said to Judah, Hear, Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him to his people. Let his hands be sufficient for him, and may you be a help against his enemies. So the blessing that he's pouring out on this tribe is that May you help, be a help to them, Lord. You, these, these people need all your help you can get through the tribe of Judah. And I'm praying for your help, your hand of help. Wives well, says the, the name of Judah means praise. Moses prayed that the Lord would hear the voice of praise through that tribe. And that his hands would be sufficient. And essentially, Moses is praying for a blessing and sustaining of that tribe of Judah as well. No doubt, if you think about it, until it could fulfill its prophetic destiny to bring what? To bring forth the Messiah. So the blessing is, they're going to need all the help they can. Why? Because the enemy is going to attack that tribe like no other. Why? Because Satan is always looking to stop the Messiah from coming. That's why you can see, read all the way through the Old Testament and see constant attacks against any lineage to stop the Messiah from coming. So the blessing that Moses is pouring out on them is the fact that you, they're going to need all the help they can get from God because there's going to be enemies coming every which way trying to take them out. Because Moses knew this destiny for the tribe of Judah from Jacob's prophecy in Genesis 49.10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. So Moses knew that the Messiah was coming through the tribe of Judah and that was where the kingship, that was where it was going to happen and he knew that needed to, they needed all the help they can get. And since Judah, if you remember we studied in Numbers, uh, in Numbers chapter 2, <clears throat> that Judah also marched at the head of the tribes as each time the cloud and the pillar and the, and the, and the, and the cloud and the pillar of fire, when, they moved, when God moved, Judah was always the first to lead all the tribes. Anyone's out front always was going to meet up with the enemies and come to be attacks. But they did the leading. She would be the first one to meet battle, and she needed all the help she could get from the Lord. Now in verses 8 through 11, we see Levi. 
And of Levi, he said, let this Thummim and your Urim be with you, with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa, which is also Meribah in, your, in the same place, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children. For they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord. Accept the work of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. So the very first thing, most people, when you're reading this, especially if you're doing your reading plan through the year, you get to this subject of Thummim and Urmim, and you're like, okay, first of all, how do you say it? But what is that? It is probably were two precious stones that were used in the casting of lots. And when they cast the lots, they were to use them to receive the divine answers in difficult matters that God asked them to use that method to give them clarity of what to do next. We see that in Exodus 28, 30. Now he says here in this part for Levi, they have observed your word and kept your covenant. And this is important for this tribe of Levi because they had a special role in the nation of Israel because of this Levi had blessed placed among the tribes of Israel because Moses prayed that the substance of Levi would be blessed and that their enemies would be defeated. And the fact that the Levi was that, 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 that kind of a catch and intertwined and, inter, and, and interwoven within the rest of Israel of leading from a spiritual perspective here. That they shall... Teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They were to responsible of taking God's law and teaching the law and in making sure it get permeated into the nation of Israel. Especially Levi had the blessed place of teaching the word of God. And they would accomplish this as they were scattered in Israel. As Jacob had prophesied in Genesis 49.7, the tribe of Levi, would, people would be scattered all over, but the Levi tribe would be permeated through all the tribes to make sure the word of God was always taught and remembered. That was their role. Now the prophecy, I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel, in Genesis 49.7, was given to the, both the tribes of Simeon and Levi. For the tribe of Levi, it was a blessing as they were scattered throughout the nations of, in, in ministry. They were scattered throughout to all the people to bring God's word to the whole nation. But for the tribe of Simeon, the scattering was a significant curse upon them. They, were, they are not even mentioned among the tribes being blessed here because that was a cursing upon them of what Simeon did, not Levi. They were, that was a blessing to go out and be scattered to do the word of God. Now in verse 12, we see Benjamin. He says, of Benjamin, he says, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him who shelters him all the day long, and he shall dwell between 
his shoulders. Now, this is blessing is all about the beloved of the Lord here. That's what he's asking. This place of special love, a special blessing upon little Benjamin. He was the youngest. He's the little Benjamin man who had would prophet, prophetically fulfill the Benjamite city becoming the center of the nation. And where is that? Jerusalem. Remember that. So the Benjamites in the city, the center of the nation of Israel, would be Jerusalem. And that is where the beloved of the Lord will dwell. And it says, you shall dwell in safety by him. You shall dwell between his shoulders. What more power between a man's shoulders and the structure and, the, and holding up the weight there. We see that the tribe of Benjamin was indeed fierce and warlike, as we know in the scriptures. Jacob's prophecy described Benjamin as a ravagousness wolf in Genesis 49:27. But it was a tribe not only fierce to push back the enemy, but it was greatly beloved of the Lord. Now in verses 13 through 17, we see the tribe of Joseph. And we see that in the end of Joseph, he said, Blessed of the Lord is his land. Notice that. The first thing that Moses is blessing upon is the land that it will be given to Joseph. With all the precious things of heaven and the, and the dew and the deep lying beneath. With the precious fruits of the sun, with the precious produce of the months. With the best things of the ancient mountains, with the precious things of everlasting hills, with the precious things of the earth in its fullness, and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush, let the blessing come on the head of Joseph. Now it's the, not only bless the land, now bless Joseph, his headship, his leadership, we see that coming upon him, on the crown of the head of him who is separate from his brothers, his glory is like a firstborn bull and his horns like the horns of the wild ox. Together with them he shall push the, the peoples to the ends of the earth. They are the ten thousands of Ephraim and they are the thousands of Manasseh. So we see this blessing really focused upon two tribes, obviously, because Joseph was split into two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh, and who are indeed blessed numerically. If you go back when we studied uh, that portion of Scripture, we lined out how many people per tribe and how they grew, that the descendants of these one son, Joseph, among 12 sons of Jacob, were far more numerous than all the other tribes. So the blessing that came from Moses on to them, it says, let the blessing come. Let the blessing come on the land. Let the blessing come on the head of Joseph, the leadership. His family will be so blessed, so massive. And sure enough, we see historically, yes. Now, if you're really savvy and understanding, you're understanding of the scriptures that Manasseh was the firstborn of Jacob, of Joseph. And Ephraim was the secondborn. But why did he, they name Ephraim first and Manasseh second? Well, because Jacob's prophecy in Genesis 49:22, Joseph is the fruitful bow and the fruitful bow by a well. His branches run over the wall. It was a, a fulfilling of a prophecy that the younger would then be the lily, receive all the blessing of the firstborn and not Manasseh. 
So we see even Moses, as he's giving the blessing here, he understands that Ephraim, even though he's younger, is going to be the, considered the firstborn and receive all the blessings and be first. And Manasseh would not be first, even though he was the oldest. So, again, go back and read in Genesis 48, verses 17 through 20, that, that account of the fact that Manasseh was the older son, but Jacob gave from the blessing of the firstborn and we see Moses blessing here it says oh the blessings can come out in Ephraim you're going to have 10,000 compared to Manasseh just the thousands so he shows them the massive blessing upon that son now we see in verses 18 through 19 we see Zebulon and Ishakar, and we see that and of Zebulon, he said, Rejoice, Zebulon, in your going out, in Issachar, in your tents. They shall call the peoples to the mountain. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness, for they shall partake of the abundance of the seas and of the treasures hidden in the sand. Now, if you know where they settled in these two tribes, you know why they were blessed, because both of these tribes, Zebulun and Ishakar, was in the Galilean region and were blessed to take advantage of the Sea of Galilee. Now, we see here these tre treasures hidden in the sand talks about this consistency of what Jacob said to Zebulun in, in Genesis 49, 13, where he said, Zebulun shall dwell by the haven of the sea. Again, prophecy. I love when we read the whole word of God and you study through, you can see the prophecy and where it becomes fulfilled. We see that through the Old Testament. But we also see many times the prophecy in the Old Testament fulfilled in the New Testament. And sometimes you have to read the New Testament to see of that fulfillment of that prophecy. And you go back and you go, oh, I didn't even see that as being a prophecy. And so it's so important you read both the Old Testament and New Testament. Next time we see here in verses 20 to 21, Gad. And in of Gad, he said, blessed is he who enlarges Gad. He dwells as a lion. Wow. And tears the arm and the crown of his head. He provided the first part of himself because of the lawgiver's portion was reserved there. And he came with the heads of the people and he administered the justice of the Lord and his judgments with Israel. Well, he dwells as a lion. A lion character of the tribe of, Jad was, of Gad was shown by the fact that Gad furnished many of the Incredible warriors of the troops of David. We see that noted in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14. And it is the fulfillment of Jacob's words there in Genesis 49, 19, where he said, To Gad he shall triumph at last. And he became a great warrior. And anytime he went to, to war, we see the, the tribe of Gad uh, being very uh, instrumental of... Um, of leading and, and conquering the enemies. He was a lion, fierce. We also, in verse 22, the, uh, the tribe of Dan, and of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's help or whelp, which means cub, a lion's cub. He shall leap from Bashan. So this may not be, I would say, a when you first initially say, oh, Dan is a lion's little cub. 
You know, <laughs> it's not quite complimentary in regards to this historically, because if you go back and read historically on the, the, the tribe of Dan, it, it's not good because history records that Dan was a troublesome tribe. You want to go have all the tr- sons? What's, 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 of all your sons, which one gives you the most trouble? You ever, you know, people ask you, what's your biggest challenge in your 12 kids that you had, you know? Dan would be the one that uh, quickly would bring, bring, bring out to highlight, it appears, because there was a tribe to introduce idolatry. Dan was into idolatry, and he always would be introducing it into Israel. We see that in Judges 18.30. Jeroboam set up one of the, his idolatrous golden calves in Dan. We saw that in 1 Kings 12. And later, Dan became a center of idol worship in Israel in Amos 8.14. So there's, as you read through, you can make these connections. The tribe of Dan, when, when Kathleen and I went to Israel, we went up to the, that northern part and saw the, uh, the, where the tribe of Dan dwelt and some of the outer, um, uh, the initial gates where they would sit at the gates and still lots of the structures sit there. But when you really reflect back of what took place, uh, there was a lot of idol worship taking place in that part of uh, the area. And Jacob said to Dan in Genesis 49, 17, Dan shall be a serpent by the way. <laughs> so how would you like that prophesied to you from Jacob? Uh, Dan, you're, you're, you're just a serpent, man. You're, you're going you're gonna to be slithering around doing some things you should not be doing. It's not good. And it'll go from Bashan. The tribe of Dan originally was allotted land in this southern part of Israel, but they weren't content. There was not a place they wanted to be. They ended up migrating, going up to some other part of land that they wanted, which is the northern, uh, northern about hundreds of years after. We see that in Judges 18. And that's where we went up. And when we went to Israel in our trip, we went to the northern part where they dwelt the most. But that wasn't the original place that God said that they were to dwell. You know, <laughs> you, get, you see that character, right? And it's like, how did you go do that? Why did you do that? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And usually within that, you're never content. They're always like, I, you know, I, I know this is where I'm supposed to be, but I'm not going to be there. I'm going to go up here and do this anyway. I mean, this is a certain character of Daniel character in this Dan, a tribe of Dan, that can be in some people's hearts. They're just not content with God, what God has for them. They're not willing to be obedient to what God wants them to do. To, be, to, be, to represent the family well in regards to that. No, no, they wanted everything but God. They wanted idolatrous. They wanted to live their life however they wanted to live. They want to migrate wherever they want to. Again, it's not, it didn't play out well for the tribe of, of Dan for sure. Now we see 23, Naphtali. It says, and of Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, satisfied with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord, possess the west and the south. So the tribe of Naphtali was indeed satisfied with favor. Naphtali's land that they received from the Lord, their portion, was absolutely a key portion in the Sea of Galilee. They were so blessed to be in that area. The region where Jesus did much of his teachings and ministry was around the Sea of Galilee. 
No wonder Moses' blessing upon this tribe was the full of the blessing of the Lord, as we see here in this verse. Now, Jacob's blessing to Naphtali was Genesis 49, 21, when he says he gives goodly words. And it's so true uh, for that tribe and the blessing that they would receive and have the Lord himself, the Messiah, be teaching and ministry through that area. In verses 24 and 25, Asher says, And of Asher, he said, Asher is most blessed of sons. Wow. Let him be favored by his brothers. Let him dip his foot in oil. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze. And as your days, you shall, your, so shall your strength be. So the abundance of the tribe of Asher was also expressed by Jacob's blessing in Genesis 49.20 when he says he shall yield royal dainties. It would be royal. People would be looking up to that leadership, looking up to that blessed tribe. And everyone had, would have favor. Even the brothers would look to Asher. All these other tribes, all these other brothers would be looking to Asher. And his blessing from Moses was the most blessed of sons. In verses 26 through 29, we see the conclusion here. He's in, and, and as Moses pours it out here to them, he says, There is no one like the God of Je uh, Jeserim who rides the heavens to help you. And in his excellency on the clouds, the eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy before you and will say, destroy. Then Israel shall dwell in safety, the fountain of Jacob alone, and a land of grain and new wine. His heavens shall also drop dew. Happy are you, O Israel. That's the blessing, right? That's the conclusion. Oh, happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord the shield of your help, the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you, and you shall tread down their high places. So at the end of his Moses' final blessing, we see here he refused, refers to him as the eternal God in your refuge. What a blessing that God bestowed upon Israel, a chosen people. Paul said in Romans 3, 2, to them were committed the oracles of God. They were committed to receive God's word and to protect God's word and to make sure God's word was taught and remembered throughout the nation of Israel. And all of that would permeate even into the Gentile world. They were to be a beacon for God to draw even the Gentiles, you and I, toward God. And the greatness of Israel is that the same as the greatness of the Christian today, not in and of themselves, but in their God. God used them to bring the people of that day to come to God. He now uses you and I and dwelling of the Holy Spirit to draw people to God through our lives. We are to share the word of God just like the nation of Israel. We are to stay firm on the word of God 
to only teach the word of God. You're not to add or delete from the word of God. They were not to take the law and the word of God and change it in any form or fashion. They were to keep exactly what God said and only say what God says. And so as a Christian, there's no one like the God of Jeshurun. We have the one and true God. We have that, that, that foundation as a Christian. And it grieves me, it grieves you, I know, when people call themselves a Christian and they don't even know, let alone walk in obedience to the word of God. Who rides the heavens to help you. He even says he rides, who rides the heavens to help you. God is great and uses his, his greatness on behalf of his people, does he not? Does he not take his greatness and his, all the resources, all the wisdom, all the, the strength and the power that he can dwell within you to do the things that God wants to do in and through you? Upholding them with the everlasting arms, Moses says. When we are a people saved by the Lord. We are the people saved by the Lord. And that means you and I. Heaven is on our side. Heaven is not against us. Heaven is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31 Why? Because as the blessing says here at the very end, verse 29, he says, He is the shield of your help. Do you realize how often in some of us daily who need God's help? Is he your shield? Is he your protector? Do you keep him so close to be your shield to keep the enemies at a, at a distance? The fiery darts to keep them from penetrating? Do you see him as your shield of your help? The sword of your majesty. Do you? I do. My prayer for you, my brothers and sisters, that you are growing. To understand this is not an intellectual game of how much you can memorize the Bible. It's all about application and believing by faith and living it out in your life. And let the fruit of the Spirit bear from your life. Amen?